The R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility. Hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Today's solutionist thinker studied mathematics at university and informatics, whatever that is, did a master's degree, entered a graduate program, got her into banking, and in the midst of the financial crisis of 2008, discovered that perhaps there's more to life than doing deals, well, of a banking variety anyway. So what Arlene Mulder did was she broke loose and she created a space where people could learn to code. I realized that The fact that I can code, now all of a sudden, all the challenges that I face and all the problems that I had in business, if I can dream up a solution, I could just actually build it. I'm Bruce Whitfield and you are listening to Solutionist Thinking, brought to you by RMB. What is code? What people used to do 20 years ago when they said they're going into computers? Code is kind of the language that you use to talk to technology. But a lot of people ask this question, and I often say coding is like saying, I read. Do you read comic books, or do you read quantum physics books, or do you read poetry? So it's very broad. So I like to think more of it as software engineering, but think of it basically just the the tool and the language you use to talk to technology. I've got kids who can read music off a piece of paper. They squiggles with little lines, and they all mean different things. Code, to my mind, it's a bit like music. Yes, exactly. So think of if you have an idea in your head, but you want to actually create it in technology. So that link to make the idea come to life in the tech world, see that as coding. What sparked this idea that coding was the future before coding was the future? I started learning software engineering coding. I think we called it computer science in high school. So I learned this already in high school. And as I studied at university, coding was more sort of what supported how we could build the mathematical solution. So focusing on mathematics and statistics. And then as I joined the banking world at RMB, I realized that the fact that I can code now all of a sudden, all the challenges that I face and all the problems that I had in business, If I can dream up a solution, I could just actually build it. So something that used to take us three days putting together a basic comps model, I could just go, okay. So, you know, they often say that the best people to have are are lazy, smart people. But I would just say, we don't want to take three days to do this. Let's create some a little bit of code, quite simple. But another way to harness the power of technology, you just code a solution. Give me an example of a problem you faced and how you created then a code to address the problem. So I can give you quite complex um, examples. For example, the the credit risk rating models that we built with 48 different logistic regressions that you had to build in statistical programming. But I'll start with giving you quite a basic, simple solution. So I was a deal maker in corporate finance. And then what you have to do is you have to put pitches together for clients. And you have to look at what's happening in the world out there. How are their comparables trading? So it's a lot of data that you have to put together. Now, you can imagine now there's companies all over the world. And what we used to do is to go, okay, who are the competitors? So let's say you take in the retail space. Then you have to go, who are the South African competitors? Who are the international competitors? Download their financials. Circle the numbers. Adjust it for whatever adjustments you have to make. And then you have to. That's so far you're making complete sense, right? Okay. (laughs) That I understand. But type in all this data and get it together. But that's very cumbersome. And to be honest, that's not taking real brain power. It's almost like anyone can do it. So think of it as you not really have, you don't really have to think about it. It's just like a manual, um, repetitive task that you have to complete. But now 
through all this technology and data that's already available. And that's the beauty of the world we live in today. Companies like Google and Amazon, they've already aggregated all this data for us. So at, in this example, we used a company called Thomson Reuters. So now you just, as soon as you type in the name of a company, immediately they pull all the comparables. And all this data that would literally take you a week to put together yourself just with the click of a button, it's just pulled. And a beautiful report is created and everything is just... So it takes a bit of time to create the first solution. But think of it like this. You take a, a bit more time to create the first solution, but then you can just repeat the solution for every single other transaction that you're doing. And you could theoretically do this a million times with no additional time spent. And we take a lot of the stuff for granted because already that level of coding affects our lives on a daily basis, doesn't it? I mean, we, we, are, we are engaging with code Absolutely. without even knowing about it. And you know, the one thing that people always say, they, they're saying, oh, the digital revolution is coming and AI and machine learning is coming. But have you ever looked at what's just happening on your phone? Um, have you thought about why Facebook sends you certain advertisements? It's here. We are already living in it. And if you own a smartphone, you have access to this technology already. I don't know if you have the new iPhone, but there's facial recognition. That means that every single person with the new iPhone has facial recognition capabilities in their hands. But you can now use that because you have access to that and you can apply that to anything that you can imagine. It's only useful if when you're walking through an airport, you can face your phone to somebody and they'll tell you what their name is. <laughs> then that is useful. That is useful. That is quite possible already. Right. I know some people who've, who've played around with this at their houses and they put it out at their gates and they would see if this could pick up who the guests were. And they say it's relatively about 80% um, there. So you can already do that. Mm. Um, the idea then of teaching code, you left banking, to go into the big bad world of uncertainty, running your own enterprise and teaching others to code. What was that motivation? So I think the first the first thing that motivated me was I realized that there's different kind of skills required. So I told a little bit of my story and the reason why it was so powerful to me to know how to code is because I was actually on the business side. I understood what business needed. What's happening currently in organizations is that it's still very segregated. So all the business functions are happening in silos. So the business guys are on one side, the deal makers and the IT guys you imagine, yeah, they sit in the basement, right? And they mm -hmm. fix our printers. But I realized we needed new kind of skills and I was lucky enough to to be exposed to both these worlds. So that was the start um, of We Think Code, to think about how do we find people who are talented in technology, but how we look at things a bit differently. How do we not just teach them to code, but how do we enable them to learn how do I use coding to solve problems, which is a completely different mindset. How does coding then fit into a 21st century curriculum? Because you go off to university and do an arts degree, well, you never get to see a computer other than perhaps to write up an assignment. Um, if you go into the world of mathematics, well, you, that's great, and I see the, the, um, the, the coming together there, but those people aren't always, present company accepted, the most creative in the world. So I'd like to actually challenge that and disagree. So if you go start I'm not studying, talking about accountants. I'm talking <laughs> about mathematicians. No, but I'd like to talk about the artists, for mm -hmm. example. So one of the most incredible skills that you can get today is to be an animator. And that is an artist being creative, but in the tech world. So uh, a friend of mine actually studied art um, and 
they already this was 10 years ago i'm giving away my age now but they would they would do a lot of their projects on an imac so on the computer so we might think that artists don't use technology but actually that's not true at all first of all they use the technology to enable them to do amazing things with their art but secondly i want to also say that i believe that coders and mathematicians are actually they need to be extremely creative. And one of the most important things today is what they call UX, so the user experience side of things. So you can build the best back end, but if your users can't use it, if it's not user friendly, and if it doesn't, let's just be honest, look beautiful and you want to use it, then it's not really going to, I don't believe it's really going to work. You were just like the MBA graduate in a moment ago. You, uh, our people who own iPhones are the same. Tell you about their latest iPhone that they own. <laughs> I mean, that is a perfect example of code brought to life in the ultimate UX, because I just learned that, experience. Exactly. And we don't need to know what's going on at the back. We just need to see, oh, it's easy to use, it's seamless, it's amazing, and all this tech is just there. Um, I heard a story that someone told me once about electricity. So in the beginning, when the first light bulb was uh, was designed, people would just turn on their lights to show you that they have electricity. But when last have you thought about it? It's just seamless. It's everywhere. And technology is kind of the same. You're not going to think about the connectivity or about the technology. It's just going to be in everything. It's quite freaky. What makes a great coder? A couple of things. Again, like I said, there's not just one type of coder, but I would say um, the first thing is someone who are interested and excited about solving problems. So if you have that natural ability and curiosity, you want to learn more, you want to find out more, you want to you build new solutions that do not exist – then I would definitely have to say creativity because you are building things that do not exist. And that ability to learn new things all the time because it's, it is changing all the time. Tell me what you're going to be doing next because it's all well and good to be working in the world of code, but it's almost like a production line of getting people in, giving them the skills. They then go out and go and do their own thing. That's got to be, I don't know, quite distant you, you watch your students and you watch them going off and doing great things, but you're not participating in the genius of it all. Yes, yeah, so I guess we, we do get to do a lot of cool things in We Think Code, but exactly. Um, during the last three years of this incredible journey of being an entrepreneur and being part of completely much more part of this tech world, people come to me all the time and say, oh, but what about this? Can't we do coding solutions for kids? Or, oh, there's this new robot. Can we bring it in? But... And what I realized about myself is I love new ideas all the time and I love impossible challenges. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but if you tell me it's impossible to do it in a certain way, then that gets me excited. So um, I've found an amazing business partner. Her name is Kanina. Uh, she's from the the university world and we've decided to create a new business. So if we think code things differently a bit about the way that we learn, our new business toy box thinks completely differently about the way that we work. So we we are bringing together this agency of inventors. So smart, awesome, amazing people who just have ideas and we provide them and enable a space to bring these incredible ideas to life. Toy box doesn't sound very grown up. It doesn't sound very adult. <laughs> Must I tell you the backstory Please. of where the name comes from? Um, this is 
I just can I can we put out a warning here that this is quite a nerdy nerdy story. Um, People are listening to a podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I okay, think you're great. In a safe space. I have my audience. You're in a safe space. So um, there's this web serial called Worm, and in this world, um, people are born with certain powers. Now, if you are born with the power of a tinker, then you either have to go work for government or you can escape to this planet. And this planet's name is Toybox. So you go to this planet to hone your skills, and it's a whole community where you share the proceeds. But it's really to escape to a world where you can you can really hone your skills and you can become much better and you can bring your ideas to life. So that is the, the basis then of the vision for Toybox. Is Toybox a physical space or is it a virtual space? And it, you can never be sure nowadays what a space actually is. Exactly. And that's why exactly we are both. So it's not necessarily um, a physical space. Um, we want a global community. But I do believe that there's a lot of value in a physical space. We also see this with We Think Code, getting smart, amazing, talented, enthusiastic people in the same space. There's a massive benefit to that. Furthermore, we also want to enable these amazing members of Toybox to have access to the latest technology, where also we believe that a physical space is quite important. So we're going to be starting in Cape Town, um, but let's see where we go from there. I mean, typically people with great ideas aren't always great business minds. They might not be the developer types. They may just have the idea. Absolutely. And so how does that idea turn into a business via this toy box and that's exactly one of the things that inspired toy box so i'll tell you a little story there's this incredible guy who grew up in soweto and he designed smart street lights he's amazing he designed them he 3d printed them he's an incredible inventor um actually my business partner introduced him to the to the mayor um, of Joburg and said we love your idea just bring it to us put a presentation together we can't wait to implement your idea but this guy, he's terrified about doing business plans, building models, and contracts. So his idea never came to life. We want to create an ecosystem and a community where these ideas can actually come to life. Now imagine we have the best lawyer, who's also a member of Toybox, the best accountant, will help with the sales. We've got best designers to actually make it look incredible. And together, collaborating, we will actually make sure that these ideas come to life. How do you avoid getting yourself into trouble 10 years down the line and suddenly this great idea, I don't know, please call me for argument's <laughs> sake, yes. um, becomes the biggest and best thing. And suddenly it is what agreement did we have again? Um, oh, that wasn't fair. Actually, this was so much bigger than anyone ever anticipated. How do you build those protections in? Because suddenly you're going into this very uncertain world of intellectual property and ideas and transference of skills and what is an idea worth versus the execution of a business and how much does the founder have and who was the founder? Oh, it gets very, <laughs> very no, exactly. Those are exactly the kind of questions that we've been asking and that's exactly what we want to do. So the best thing is obviously to agree everything up front. But then obviously with all these new technology, we have an idea to actually register all these ideas on a blockchain system because all that really does is it creates complete transparency and you set up the rules very clearly up front. But this question of IP is a very good one. So what we've, and again, this is quite new ideas still, but sure. what, we've, what we've discussed is 
We don't want to take anyone's IP. So we want to say, if you come up with an, an idea and you can do it on your own, even if you're a member of Toybox, it's your idea. But if you want to bring it, let's call it to the center, and you want to submit your idea almost to Toybox, and we can help you to bring it to life, then there'll be very clear rules and perhaps even registered on a blockchain system of exactly whose contribution what is, and then um, there's there's sort of two ways to to if we make it very basic to think of uh, when you create new ideas. The one is someone comes to you and you consult to them, you build it to them, and it belongs to them. The other one it's more the model of software as a service, where you say let's say for every ten rand that you sell, we own one rand. Now that's a better model in my mind because then interests are aligned. And this is one of the biggest thing why we also want to create our own economy is how do you get interest to be aligned? You sounded like a video game. You sounded <laughs> like Age of Empires. You, 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 we you, are going to take over the world, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it feels a bit like that. You've, you've almost created a, a reality video game where you've got a f- currency and an environment and yes. you build your society. And I'm actually glad you say that because also at the heart of this is to have fun. So we almost see it as playing as well. We imagine a imagine a space where you get to do what you love. And I saw this in my own journey um, as an entrepreneur now as well. And I mean, I had the, ba- the um, background in banking, so I had all the connections. I kind of knew how to do a lot of things, whether it was tax registering company, but I don't enjoy those things. I wish I could outsource them so that I can just focus on what I love. But imagine we can make that possible because, believe it or not, you do get people who love admin. You do get people who love um, the finance and the legal side of things. So we want to bring all these people together. And you get to come and play and work on incredible new solutions. Where does the money come from? What does the capital come from? I mean, so many people with all the best intentions in the world, money is a finite commodity. Yeah, so, absolutely. So how is this all going to get funded? Where the, where's the money for the great ideas? It's extremely important to create a sustainable model. So even let's say you get to raise money in the beginning, that's not enough. You need to make sure that there's a sustainable business model because we need to ensure that we make profit so we can continue to do what we love. So... For the big crazy idea that we have, and if you've watched Black Panther, imagine Wakanda. That's what we're building. So we're obviously going to have to probably raise quite a lot of capital up front, but see it then almost as a fund. Um, so if we raise the capital up front, we, we empower also our, our users and our members to take, let's say, six to 12 months to come up with the idea. And I'll talk now about how we're going to do that. Um, but then basically the, the two main, um, um, products or how we'll make money, um, is through learning and solving. So solve is what we've been discussing. So come up with either ideas internally or externally. So let's say a customer comes to us and say, we, we have a problem with this. Can you solve it for us? Let's just take. A simple example, Western Cape government says, okay, can you come up with great new solutions to solve the water crisis? We could do something like that or get ideas from the inside. But then what we thought is a quite a nice way, not only for Toybox to make money, but also for our members, because I wish we could just um, issue our coins and we can all live in a crypto world for now. But as you said today, we still need cash. So the idea is to have a learn expertise share element to Toybox as well. So by definition, all the members are experts in their field and they can share their expertise and their knowledge. Um, so there's a whole 
convoluted long story that I can tell you of how we're going to do this, filming and virtual reality and all sorts of crazy things. But then members get to sign up and say, okay, I would like to share my expertise. And that's a way not only for Toybox to start generating money, but also for the members to earn money while they're working on their crazy ideas. But also the most important thing is that is at the heart of also what we do. We need to share our expertise. We need to ensure that everyone around us also keeps on learning and continuously be curious and find out what's the latest thing out there. Are there enough great ideas in South Africa to sustain this? If somebody built a Berlin Wall across the Orange River, all across the Limbobo and cut us off from the rest of the world, could you sustain an ideas business like this in South Africa? Uh, definitely. Um, and I'll tell you my favorite story. So in, in the U.S., they have America's High Tech CEO Awards. So Larry Page can win this. The first five years they had these awards, four out of the five winners were originally from South Africa. So that's just a little bit of a but story. But they've taken all of their skills over there because we're not perceived as being this great tech hub. When here's lots of wonderful yeah. isolated stories. But you've asked ideas I think ideas, there are so many ideas. We've got, so think about South Africa for a moment. We've got creative, innovative, diverse people in this country. And just by the nature of everything we've been through, we're quite resilient and we've had to come up with ideas. The problem is that it's, or, or people feel it's quite difficult because there's, they feel like there's not a lot of support. And I guess in certain instances that is true. Um, they do struggle to get funding. I think um, access to market, so um, knowing how to sell your product, and then obviously skills as well. So let's say you have this great idea, and now all of a sudden you need to hire 20 software engineers. Where do you find them? So Toybox is the start of to say, okay, how do we change this? How do we enable these incredibly talented, creative, diverse people with their great ideas to actually bring it to life? The ultimate being a solutionist thinker, Arlene Mulder. She is the founder of a brand new entity called Toybox. She is also uh, one of the founders of We Think Code, ex banker finding her soul. R&B, solutionist thinking. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.